Good morning. Today I'd like to um, wrap up the series that we've been looking, where we've been looking at conflict and how do we respond to it in a godly way. And so today I'd like, I'd like to look at the somewhat painful side of the coin of resolving my part in conflict. Um, and before we dig into that, I want to just do a, a brief summary of where we've been because it all is all kind of connected and building on on where we covered before. Um, so in the first part of this, we looked at Romans 15 and wanted to remind ourselves that conflict is an opportunity. It's an opportunity to glorify God, to serve other people, and to grow to be more like Christ. So a rather difficult opportunity indeed, uh, but it is an opportunity. Then next we looked at the concept that conflict is a slippery slope that we can navigate with God's help. And if you would picture a hill on either side, we can slide down and not end up in a good, a good spot. On the one side, there's the attack responses with a few things listed. On the other side, there's the escape. What conflict? Or get me away from this. I don't want to deal with it. And then on top is the work it out options to overlook, to resolve directly, and to get help. And if we're going to resolve conflict in a way that honors God, we need to choose one of those and not end up sliding down the slope. That is so easy to do. And then the last time we looked at the concept that conflict starts in the heart. So where does all this stuff come from? And we talked about the concept of there being roots and there being fruit. And so in this, in this context, the roots are the desires of our heart. And there are good and bad desires and good and bad ways to have them met. So the roots are the desires in our heart. The fruit are the choices that we make out of that. And it's just important that we recognize that we are always responsible for our choices and that they come out of what is stored up in our heart. So there's roots and fruit. Whenever we find ourselves in conflict, we should look at both. And then we also looked at the idea, if there are patterns of how we handle things, to be open to the idea that maybe there's an idol in our heart. And an idol, um, the progression goes, I desire, I demand, I judge, and I punish. So that's where we've been uh, today. Today I'd like to look at something that we all need to do. And it, as I was sitting here getting ready to, to come up, I thought about it that literally as soon as our children start talking, they learn about this. And I believe until the very end of our life, it's something that we need to do. So there's something that we all need to do, and it's always the right thing to do. So what we're going to talk about is always right. And it often can help conflicts. It doesn't always solve them, but it almost always helps. And if we are unwilling to do this thing that I'm talking about, it has a tendency to prolong the conflict. The problem is, it's really hard. And I'd like to pop up uh, Calvin and Hobbes to illustrate this. So Calvin is a little boy. He has a stuffed tiger. His tiger becomes a real tiger when there are not adults around. And that, Anyway, the, this is a great series. We're not reading all of them, but he hurt Susie, and Susie is stewing over this. Calvin's bothered by it. They're, it's worth reading the rest of the days, but he says, I feel bad that I called Susie names and hurt her feelings. I'm sorry I did it. Maybe you should apologize to her. I keep hoping there's a less obvious solution. Does anybody ever feel that way? You know we need to apologize, but it is just hard. And it, I think that's part of our human nature because apologizing, it takes humility. 
then we'll see how he did. He, he does muster up the courage to apologize, and here's how it goes. Susie, I'm sorry I called you names. I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. Well, you did hurt my feelings, but I accept your apology. Thank you. Oh, boy, thank goodness I got that over with. On second thought, let's see you grovel a little bit. So even when we decide to apologize, sometimes it doesn't always go well. Um, so we want to talk about today um, apologizing. And again, we're always responsible for our choices. And part of the reason that this, I think, is so core to what it means to be a believer is that apology is just, it's, it's tied in with confession and repentance. And it's really what we do. We confess and we repent to other people. So the first bulk of this is going to be about other people. And at the end, I'd like to also think about confession and apology to God. But I want to talk, um, first of all, about how we handle it with people and again, I want to recognize um, the five points I'm talking about today do come out of Ken Sandy's book for children, Young Peacemakers. Again, excellent material. Um, that's the launching point, and we're pulling some, a few th other things in. There's a lot of ways to talk about apology, um, but I found it very interesting after I had studied and, and uh, came across Gary Chapman's research. He wrote a whole book on this. And in the research, he identifies five things that an apology needs to include. And it's other wording, but it's the exact same thing. And I found that, that pretty interesting. Okay, so let's start again. These are gonna be called the, well, they're gonna be called the five A's of an apology. And I hope it's simple enough that children can understand, yet challenging enough, I know it is for me, that there's things that us adults can, can learn here. So the first A in an apology is that we have to admit. So I'm just going to write the five A's of an apology over here on the board. Number one is admit. So we need to admit. We need to, to take responsibility. We learn. We, we, it comes to our mind. God convicts us. I did something wrong. And the first step is just taking responsibility. And as hard as it is, it's simply saying, I was wrong when and we can fill in that blank and one of the things that i i would just encourage all of us to do is let's think about today what is our attitude towards apologizing how do we usually do it um, but when it comes to admitting that we were wrong can we be detailed about it and specific i was wrong that i did this um, the tendency at least in me is to want to be vague about it or to hurry across it or to kind of soften it can we just admit I was wrong. We're not skipping details and we're not justifying anything. We're just, we're confessing it. Another thing I think is important is to think through the concept of confessing the fruit. This is what I did along with the root. Where did that come from? What is the, the heart issue that caused that to happen? So let's make sure we confess the fruit, confess the root, and realizing that all of our sins go against the character of God. And when we act in ways that are outside of that, can we just admit that? I was wrong in how I handled that. Um, the principle for this is out of Matthew 7, where Jesus clearly asks us, whenever we're in conflict, to deal with our sins and our issues first. So Matthew 7, I'll start reading in verse 3. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck 
out of your brother's eye. So again, God is always asking us to admit our part first. And isn't it easy when you get into conflict to think that you have the speck and clearly the other person has the log? It, it almost always seems that way. And Jesus is saying, you know, take care of your own problem, which is, is maybe larger than what you're seeing. And I find it interesting that the word picture he paints has to do with our eyes. Because when we have unresolved sin, I think it affects our vision of how we see things. And also, does anybody else cringe to let somebody try to get dirt out of your eye? Do you know how hard that is to relax, to try to keep your eye open, to trust them? And I do think that maybe that plays into the picture here, that it, it's hard to open up our life to other people and trust them to gently uh, point, out, point out things. But God is telling us we need to admit our wrong first. And this is really confession. So at the heart of this, it's just it's confessing it, naming it exactly what it is, um, and again, not skirting around the issue. Okay, so that's the first A. The second A is going to be apologize. Apologize. And so that is simply when I've hurt somebody and I'm going to recognize the impact that it's had on somebody. I'm going to recognize the negative and what this did to them. I want to apologize for how my sinful choices affected you regardless of whether I intended them to affect you that way. So I want to say that again, regardless of whether I intended them to affect you that way. And I find that often when I hurt somebody else, it's either worse than or different than anything I had ever thought of. And when we apologize, we need to just own, this is what I did wrong, and I recognize this is what happened in your life because of my, uh, my sinfulness or my sinful choice. I want to reflect honestly how our sins affected that person. Who do you apologize to? And again, the painful answer is everybody that it affected, I think is the right answer there. So if it's one person, that's pretty clear. But if it affects multiple people, uh, maybe there needs to be an apology beyond that. So again, this is a, expressing our regret for the effect that it had. You know, one of the things that I need to recognize is anytime that I sin or fall short of the glory of God, it does have impact on other people. It just will negatively impact other people. And, you know, as, as much as we want to control what happens out of that impact, once we have made the choice to do something that dishonors God, We no longer have control over the impact of that. In the same way, what's going to happen if I let go of this balloon? Can I aim it? I can try, but you know what? At, at the end of the day, you really can't control it. And that off, we have to realize when we sin against people, the effects are out of our control and often far greater than anything we ever imagined could happen out of it. And so when we apologize, we have to own both what we did and what happened out of it. And we probably couldn't even imagine um, what all could happen out of it. So children, when you have a balloon, um, think about that. Sometimes we make the wrong choice. It's like letting that balloon go and we no longer can control it. I find that when I apologize to people, I, I 
find myself wanting to be responsible only for my intentions and not the things that ballooned afterwards, that, that grew and grew. I want to look at uh, some verses out of 2 Corinthians 7 when it comes to apologizing and the regret that we feel. So we know we did wrong. We're sorry for how that impacted people. 2 Corinthians 7, 8 says this, For even if I made you grieve with my letter, I did not regret it, though I did regret it. For I see that the letter grieved you, though only for a while. As it is, I rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because you were grieving into repent- you were grieved into repenting. For you felt a godly grief that you suffered no loss through us. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. For see what earnestness this, good, this godly grief has produced in you, but also what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what longing, what zeal, what punishment. At every point, you have proved yourselves innocent in this matter. So there's a difference between a godly regret or um, a godly sorrow and a worldly sorrow. So godly sorrow results in repentance. We're, ready, we're willing to turn from our sin receive forgiveness, and move on. But worldly sorrow is maybe regret that we got caught, regret about the consequences, but it's not, it's not a regret that's willing to change. But the godly regret leads to repentance, um, to salvation, without regret. Isn't that amazing? That when we repent of our wrong, God says it leads to salvation, and he can handle the regret um, associated with that. Okay, so that is the second one. We, um, we apologize. The third is to accept. The third A is just to accept, and that is accepting the fact that choices have consequences. And so we are willing to accept any negative consequences that come with our bad choices. So we're willing to say what we did own the negative impact, and, and to accept the consequences that come along with it. Even when we forgive each other, there's always the principle of sowing and reaping, that our decisions always have consequences that come back and uh, that we do have to you know, end up feeling the effects of. Proverbs 14.9 I found to be a very interesting verse. Fools mock at the guilt offering, but the upright enjoy acceptance. Another translation would have the... Uh, here is the idea of foolish people kind of mock the idea of trying to make restitution for their wrong. But the upright actually are willing to do that and enjoy um, acceptance and, and fellowship. And so if we want to handle an apology in a godly way, part of it is accepting the consequences for what we've done. So I want to make sure and be clear on this. This is not trying to make up for the wrong. If somebody apologizes to you and then just tries to make up, make up, that doesn't feel good in the end. Uh, making up is not trying to uh, manipulate somebody else. It's not insisting that there are no consequences. And it's not allowing the other person to punish you unduly. But whenever we have sinned, there are consequences that go with that. And this is a lot easier when you think about it in, in a physical kind of way. So I came home from work. I was getting stuff out of my car. And unfortunately, my car door bumped my neighbor's car. And it was, felt like a pretty little scratch, but it was there. So went and talked to her, and you know, sure enough, understandably, she's like, hey, you know what, yeah, I really do want that fixed. So you know, in the end, we needed to pay the body shop to, to come out, to give us a quote, to, you know, to paint it. 
So it was my mistake. I bumped her car door, I left a scratch there, so I needed to admit to her, I needed to apologize, and I had to accept responsibility for what, what I've done. So again, it just whenever we sin, we need to be willing to accept the negative consequences with that. One story related to this is David, when he sinned with and against Bathsheba, um, Nathan the prophet comes to him and tells him the story, and, and David says, yes, I'm the man, and he repents. And there are, a cons- 